Oh yeah, I've Rem- not even watched it. Yeah, remember that? <laughs> Isn't it weird how quickly we can go and how and, and how nebulously the criteria that we use to go from I am massively invested in this series and will watch the new films in, from it no matter what to I literally couldn't care less. Yeah, and I think this trailer confirms all the worries. And, oh dear. Does I mean... It? I'm even surprised by how bad certain aspects of it look. And I can't tell if they intentionally... Like, the actor who plays uh, Han Solo in this film, I can't tell if he has zero screen presence or if they intentionally uh, lit him and placed him in scenes where he blends into the background so you can't see him. (laughs) It's almost like there's a reveal of him. And it's like... I almost can't make him out in the screen. It's like, oh, there's a person there. Is he the star? <laughs> well, he, he doesn't. Yeah, pop. The, the the problem they always had with this was that you have to cast a young Han Solo, which is not just casting a young Harrison Ford. Like it's it's a young Harrison Ford's number one defining role, and that is in itself difficult. And it seems as if their solution is just not to. They seem to have. They seem to have just cast. Well, look. I'm, here's the thing. I'm sure when the film comes out, I'm probably going to be pleasantly surprised. It'll probably be like, oh yeah, because because they wouldn't just cast any old idiot. It will be very carefully cast, and they'll have oh. spent lots of energy and thought on this. But at the moment, he could just be any old idiot off the TV or something, or pop star or anyone. Yeah, I mean, the rumors had it that they. Had to fly in an acting coach because he was so bad at acting, and but that but they but that why but they wouldn't cast him then. Like why wouldn't they cast someone who was good? They cast Amelia Clark in this film, (laughs) and she's terrible. (laughs) Who's that? Uh, She she plays a mother of dragons in Game of Thrones. And, oh, she's not terrible. Why did you say she's terrible? Uh, because in all other, all the other roles she's had ah. that she got because of Game of Thrones, she's proven that oh, you have no range, or you've been horribly miscast in every other role you've taken since Game of Thrones. <laughs> because she played huh. Sarah Connor in uh, Terminator Genesis, and yes, but remember, <laughs> <laughs> remember what Terminator Genesis is like. I know for a for a cold hard fact that Matt Smith is a good actor and I bet he's rubbish in Terminator Genesis yeah and I'm hoping <laughs> that she was cast appropriately here that the, she, the character she plays falls within the range she's <sighs> able and comfortable of acting within and you know it's, it, it, it's, it's really important in any context to get the right people for the job and she's just been miscast in every other case I've seen her in. But, you know, she's finding Game of Thrones. But here, because I have so many negative connotations with her, seeing her, and then you have the actor for Solo who has even less screen presence than her, it's it's almost like I almost can't remember his face. Like, all the other side characters are, like, distinct profiles with, like, Woody Harrelson with like he's standing there with like a sky background so he stands out that you have silhouette, his face is like oh recognizable. Whereas solo, every shot of him it's like it's full of crap in the scene and he's not l- lit in a way that highlights him. It's almost like they're trying to hide him there. 
to so you don't pay attention to him. <laughs> I mean, yeah. The sh- okay, I've not seen this trailer yet, so I'll, I ought to watch it in a minute. But like, yep. the moment when Han Solo appears on screen should have been or should be as impactful as when he appeared on screen in the Force Awakens trailer. Yeah, and, and here it's like, oh no, <laughs> or it, rather, it has zero impact. It's all like. Uh, Okay, was that supposed to elicit some reaction from me? <laughs> it's uh, mm. it's just kind of nothing, and uh, that's the impression I got from almost everything in this film. That it's it's kind of leaves like no impression, and that's I'm guessing how the film will uh, turn out when it shows up, where it's like it's it leaves no impression at all uh, on anyone everyone goes out and sees it and says oh, okay <laughs> and that's it and then a few weeks later it's like remember a star wars movie came out <laughs> i mean so the thing about this film is that um it didn't fully make sense at all at first because they were saying you know one, one of the earliest decisions they made about the new star wars series was we were going to have the the main trilogy and then we're going to have these side films and they have some name that I can't remember. Yeah. And one of them is going to be this prequel to Star Wars 1. And one of them is going to be about Han Solo. And we all kind of went, went like, yeah, it makes sense that one would be about young Han Solo. But also at the same time, we don't really need or want that. And you're obviously going to ruin it. But then but then they got Lord and Miller on board. And suddenly the whole thing just came into focus as like a reasonable idea. Because now it wasn't going to be like a dour Rogue One style thing. It was going to be a joke. It was going to be silly and fun and swashbuckling and and it was going to be, you know, like we've seen Lego movie, which they'd only just done um, and Jump Street, the first one anyway. And like these are guys who can make good, fun films and it doesn't really matter what they're about. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, stupid premise, brilliant film. But the Lego movie, stupid premise, brilliant film. But then they left because of the usual creative differences that that disney does insist on injecting into these projects i mean force awakens was a <clears throat> a bit of a marvel in that it um in that it succeeded even despite some problems during production but the trouble is for all of the for all of the for all of the good that it had ant-man was one of these and even though it came out as a as a fine enough film it doesn't really have an identity and people don't really care about it and that's what I'm worried is going to happen here. When you start off with a when when the first thing you do when you're creating a new movie in a franchise is inject uh, do something that automatically injects a personality into it, such as hiring Lord Miller, such as hiring Edgar Wright. Once those people are gone and no longer attributed to it, and it's not going to be their film anymore, what's the point? Starts to rear its head as the as the, uh, uh, you know as something that needs to be said about this film. So uh, as of now, what's the point of the Han Solo movie? Yeah, what it- and, and <laughs> it's funny how hard the release date for this is because you know if it it's delayed too much, it interferes with the schedule for the rest next film and so on. And apparently, yeah. one one of the reasons the trailers for this came out so late. It's because they were still filming up until like weeks ago. <laughs> okay, okay. So the movie, like, because they had they decided to reshoot, I think like 80, 90% of the film, almost the entire movie has been redone. Uh, wow. 
Oh, wow. So we really are not getting a sniff of the Lord and Miller version of this film, the one that we want. <laughs> no, and apparently the budget for this has ballooned to the budget of two films. It has apparently cost like 400 million to make. <laughs> well, that, that makes sense because yeah. it is two films. Yep. They made uh, like almost an entire movie and then they scrapped it and then they made almost an entire movie again. And this is within the time frame that was supposed to be dedicated to just making one movie. So they made two movies in the time it should have taken to make one. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, It's uh, if this is good, it'll be a miracle. But I think it's just going to be very safe, very dull, and just yeah. boring and minimal, like... Uh, getting over the barrier of competence across the board. How are they going to recover from this? Because I think that it was very important, these first two films. Rogue One was, well, okay, you've you've all grown up. You've been asking for a grown-up war version of Star Wars. I guess we can give you that. Here you go. Here's what that would look like. And now, now that you've had that, here's what it would look like if it was really silly these side films and if it was fun because it's Han Solo but now basically what I'm what I think I'm saying is that the the if they ever lost their way if they ever started to lose their audience that's the point at which they could have brought out the Han Solo movie and people would have started gone back to watch it but if the Han Solo movie is the one that's dull what next like C-3PO what (laughs) yeah where do they go? Well, actually, no, they do still have one ace up their sleeve, which is that there is a lot of demand out there for a um, Ewan McGregor Obi-Wan film. So they could still do that. <laughs> yeah. There is. No, there is. There's a lot. I see a lot of people going like, why don't they make that? So that's something they can draw crowds with still. I, I want them to make a Star Wars story film about characters and places we've never seen before. Well, yeah. How about they make a stoner comedy set in the slums of Coruscant? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Why not? Yeah. I, one of the one of the pro- I've now watched half of the trailer, by the way, as we've been speaking, mm. and um, one of the problems that they have is is mixing these two ideas together. The um, if you're going to have if you're going to do your films based on characters we already know and stuff that we already know, I think that is when God. That's where they get Lord and Miller. The Han Solo movie had to be a kind of almost Lego Star Wars like romp through Star Wars jokes. That's what it needed to be because that's that's what the, the premise is of this of this whole idea of a Han Solo film is like um, stuff you're familiar with Star Wars fan service movie. Like that's that is what it is. Unfortunately, from what I'm looking at, what they've done is they've got this Woody Harrelson character who's I'm putting together a crew. And Han Solo is going to be one of the people, and uh, Lando is going to be one of the people, and then there's various others. And like the problem with that <clears throat> is that I've seen so much um, sort of tie-in fiction with stuff where the, it, there's a, there's a toxic imbalance you can hit of mixing. I'm not actually someone who is allowed to to make up what happened to these characters in their lives, so I have to create new characters of my own. And, no, I actually do have the license to use these characters, and, and honestly, the, the, the audience won't enjoy the product if I don't. And 
basically the the good ones are where the writer is just given the ability to just yeah no take the characters do stuff you want with them which really you'd think that the actual films actually made by the actual people would be kind of allowed to play with but instead okay here's what i'm getting at one of the most tedious books uh, tie-in fiction books i've ever read was um called dark lord now <laughs> now no offense to the, the the whoever wrote it because i understand these things have to be written very fast they have to be written under very strict rules and frankly this book never mattered so it was you know it would have been commissioned and out the door fairly quickly but this was a, a star wars extended universe book that was sold as a sequel an immediate follow-up to revenge of the sith um, and as you know, I've gone on about how good the book of Revenge of the Sith was. So even mm. in the book world, this was a, some big shoes to fill. Dark Lord was supposedly a story about Darth Vader's first like marchings across the galaxy. He's he's newly minted. He's got his helmet on for the first time. He's angry. He's out. He's killing things. Awesome. Give me that. Give me that Darth Vader book. I read the book and it was about a random Obi-Wan that the writer had made up and his random... Uh, teenage girl padawan and the adventures that they had and then like at the end there was a bit where they were like whoa who's that oh that's darth vader in the distance and that that's what it was and it was so dull and i'm worried that that's that a similar thing is happening to this han solo film because instead of han solo like here's the life of this swashbuckling pirate guy you know a few years before it didn't even have to be like when he was a kid or when it like we like as depicted he's really only a little bit younger than he is in in star wars um well instead he's gonna join some random characters team of random characters to do a random heist or something don't care about that yeah don't care about that and also oh someone's pointed out that me and a friend on twitter were able to uh already ascertain what some of the plot is going to be and what one of the crap jokes in it is going to be because the millennium falcon has a particular shape right it's a kind of a round thing with a little chunk out of the front and then this cockpit is on the side. Well, we saw a picture of the Millennium Falcon to tie in with this film, and it doesn't have the chunk missing from the front. So he said, like, oh, is something going to, is the chunk going to be missing from the front? And I came up with this little joke about how they'll go, oh, no, you know, the bad guys have, have blown part of our part of our fuel tanks out that we keep in this special rectangular section in the front. Now we're going to have to somehow do this Kessel run in just 12 parsecs before our, before our petrol runs out. <laughs> now, they I, may, won't necessarily be that, but they are going to do the Kessel run in 12 parsecs in this film. And fans are going to, and there's going to be articles, and it's like, here's how the, this film solves the problem of how parsecs are actually a measurement of distance instead of time. And it's going to be so tedious. And it's Oh, guys, I don't, I'm not, oh, dear, I don't want it. Don't yep. want it. I think you nailed it. <laughs> now, but if this was a Lord of Miller film, if this was a joke film, that would be fine. Because, you know, if it was all done in the tone of Lego Batman, they would be perfect to do it like that. Yeah. I Honestly, I think they should... Basically, Lord and Miller should now be given the license to do their film, but as Lego Han Solo. Because, yeah. screw it, why not? Yeah, I mean, what's another 200 million? Let's scrap this version and spend another 200 million and try to make, refilm it until May. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, they're allowed to keep this version, but also Lord and Miller get to make the Lego version. That's okay. what I say. That's what I say. They can... Yeah. The, the, they'll recoup all their money for this, because it's Han Solo. Every we'll, We will go and see it. 
All of us idiots will go and see this film. Uh, of course we will. I guess. Of course we will. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I did go and see Terminator Genesis. What's another two hours out of my life I'll never get back? <laughs> there you go. Now, you say that they were... Uh, you, when you said that they were still filming right up until the dot, and that's why this trailer was like delayed or whatever... Um, <clears throat> I was thinking, oh, wait, yeah, I, I actually, I did know that. I guess I have seen this. And then I remember, no, I'm thinking of Venom. Have you seen the <laughs> Venom trailer? <laughs> no. <laughs> the Venom trailer. Now, look, I don't know much about Venom, the character. I don't have a storied history with Venom. What I do know is that the storyline in Spider-Man 3, where he gets the black Spider-Man suit, and it turns out to be an alien parasite, actually, and it kind of turns him bad... That is that's the story of Venom, and Venom is supposed to come out of that, and it kind of did at the end of that film. But what's supposed to happen is like a separate character, Venom, who's a sort of evil Spider-Man monster, comes out, and blah 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 blah. Now, in the uh, <clears throat> sort of mid two thousands, they did do briefly a um, a comic series that was uh, of Venom, which was I thought really well drawn. I seem to remember, um, and it was, and it didn't have Spider-Man, and it was basically like a horror thing set in a an, an ice base um and the people there were being terrorized by this by venom and they and it i, I seem to remember it doing being done relatively well i can't remember exactly how well written it was uh, it was well drawn um and that is what i kind of assumed the venom movie would be because we already know that they don't have spider-man anymore and they are making this venom movie that isn't a spider-man movie even though the whole thing of venom is he's just like a different colored spider-man but a monster and um so that so I was kind of thinking most people were going like what's this going to be it's obviously not going to there's no going to be no point but I was honestly thinking like ah oh, maybe it'll be like quite cool horror film trailer comes out <laughs> and it came out this week and you can watch it like after this because it's in fact you can watch it while I'm talking because it doesn't matter the dialogue in it doesn't matter because what you see is a series of shots of characters who most of who we don't know who they are Arguably two of them we do, although they're reboots of people who've been in previous Spider-Man things, so who knows what they're going to be. Um, and then it ends. The whole trailer is just essentially like the camera opening on people's faces, looking, doing different emotions because it's from different bits of the film. And there's a bit of throwaway dialogue about like, we didn't know what was coming or something. And it ends. There's no, you don't see Venom in it. You don't see any sense of what the film might be about where it might be set, what it is. Literally the only thing that would make anyone interested in this film is is if they already know what Venom is. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching the trailer right now. And as you said, we don't know where it's set. It showed the San Francisco Bridge. Oh, all right. <laughs> fine. Okay, fine. Yeah, but that's a whole place. I mean, we don't know, like, is this set? Is it set in a base? Is it set in people's homes? Is it... Uh, yeah, what is it? We've seen a shot of uh, someone waking up on a medical bed. Uh, the yep. woods, it's raining. There's streets. There's, it's just a bunch of shots taken out of context. And uh... <clears throat> there's no story being told in this. There's no, there's no tease. And in fact, and I, uh, this is what I said at the time. I think a really effective trailer for this would be if they went down the like Ten Cloverfield Lane ro uh, route, where they do a trailer that itself sets up and tells or teases an interesting story, makes you want to see the film for that story, and doesn't tell you that it's Venom. And then, trailer two, that's the reveal. That's when you find out that this whole time, this has been a, a superhero tie-in movie, this has been Venom. 
that I think would have really excited people. But nope. I'm annoyed by the pitch here because in the YouTube description it says one of Marvel's most enigmatic, complex, and badass characters comes to the oh, screen no. starring Academy Award nominated actor Tom Hardy as the lethal protector Venom. And I oh, dear. Such a shame to have Tom Hardy do something like this, which is just the second I heard that they're making a Venom movie, I knew, oh, it's going to be a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Of course it's gonna be <laughs> Just gonna look here Who is directing this And uh, uh, Bunch of TV stuff Gangster squad Zombie land Hmm I don't know I'm gonna guess it's gonna be a piece of shit But maybe we'll be pleasantly surprised But <laughs> One of the things I heard Uh huh uh, a couple of weeks ago was that there's six Marvel movies coming out this year. Ah! It's Mr. PSB! Okay. <laughs> I'd forgotten your sexy webcam chats again. Hey! <laughs> I, I just called on the off chance that you were still podcasting, so I thought I'd just, you know, drop by and ruin everything. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Dave, you're, mi- uh, you're muted. <laughs> Hello. That's better. <laughs> we're talking about how crap films are, such as Venom and Han Solo. And the irregular at Magic High School film. Oh yeah, that's oh, uh... no. What did you come here to bring anime into the mix? Oh, I, I, I just came here because, like I say, I thought on the off chance you might be recording the podcast, so I'll just appear and ruin everything. Yeah, you're you're, you're gonna lower the tone of the conversation from talking about Star Wars, <laughs> and crap Marvel films. We're gonna talk about Star Trek Discovery. That, You're lowering that doesn't it. Even, that doesn't even come into the, the sphere of crapness that I live in. Yeah, well, that, that's like a whole other sphere, like billions of miles away in the up direction in terms of quality. <laughs> the up direction. The up direction. That well known direction. Yeah. <laughs> well. Uh, both uh, Mark and I have watched the Irregular at Magic High School movie. It's a series that nobody should watch. And a film that's um, a condensed version of the series. Ah, always fun. Uh, it's it's uh, based on one of the... It's, uh, the series is based on a series of light novels. And this uh, movie uh, is covers one of them. And it's also incredible. Incredibly poor. It has everything the series is known for. People sitting down in meetings talking about military stuff, randomly interspersed with girls going shopping, having a, a like playing around in bathing suits, and a, a, a brother and sister who totally don't want to fuck each other. Sure. Yeah. Do I? Sorry. Do I need to know what a light novel is? Is that a manga thing? <laughs> No, it's a novel, but uh, it's uh, it's a certain small format and short length type of novel, generally aimed at like a youth audience. Okay, Uh, with with lots of pictures. Yeah. Oh, yes. And depending on the story, those pictures may be ranging from unacceptable to completely unacceptable. Got it. Okay. Cool. Yeah, and I've I've watched a couple of series recently about um, guys who fall in love with their younger sisters, for example. But it's okay because they're adopted younger sisters, so that's right. perfectly fine. Right. 
Dave's <laughs> got that look and sound in his voice. I have, blown up. I have immediately destroyed any tone that there was. Yeah, but <laughs> with, all of my joy is just jump, jumping out. in, both feet first, incest <laughs> anime. The thing is, Star Trek Discovery is so bad. I don't think anyone can hold a moral high ground saying that, oh, I enjoy Star Trek Discovery, but this anime crap is beyond reproach. It's like, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> that is fair. That's fair. Um, because I did enjoy Discovery, and it was a load of nonsense. Yeah. I mean, it didn't. It wasn't incesty nonsense. You've got to give it at least that much. Yeah, it's not incesty. Wait, it's, the next series. It's it's just a chaotic mess. <laughs> yeah. Mind you, we haven't actually discussed it yet, so I have, that's kind of a spoiler. But oh, also, we kind of rebooted the podcast, so like, no one listening, like, we can't rely on them to know who Mr. PSB is. So this is Mr. PSB. Yeah, you, re- uh, you rebooted the podcast. I, well, I think, I think to be fair, I've introduced myself as well as I ever need to with the yes, yes. immediate delving of the depths of foul anyway. Not, that's not only have not you watched or is not acceptable by anybody. Not only, not only have you introduced yourself adequately, but you've also summed up the years worth of episodes that Peter decided to delete in shame. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's it wasn't shame. It was just. I couldn't just, be if, asked. If, <laughs> if, if, a, if a prospective employer came across that and heard your voice on it, it might be awkward. That's yes. all. I understand completely. Yes. However, so I've now here that, I, that nothing that Mr. BSB says or topics he discusses are in, reflect me in any way, future employers. <laughs> but we I've are still all. I've got a copy it, of that episode somewhere, Dave. You're not off the hook. Somewhere, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, but we are all huge fans of Sweary Train Simulator, and hmm. uh, that's <laughs> an indictment in itself. Yes. Sweary Train Simulator incorporating prostitute review. Yeah. And I was pleased. Uh, you, what I've, I've learned so much from Sweary Train Simulator, because I'm going to assume most people don't watch any Train Simulator streams, no. and they haven't learned the cultural diversity of prostitute reviews that exist <laughs> because there's very distinct and clear trends that you notice in different routes whether it's uh, the west coast of the united states where there's often people who talk about disgusting body odors leaking anuses that's a very common theme theme where it's often that's also a common theme in my flat yeah, it's often scatological, uh, people having sex behind dumpsters in public, and it's like, <laughs> often very disgusting. And That's in Hollywood, baby. Yeah, and in Germany and Switzerland, there's a, a lot of BDSM-themed stuff where people are having their faces shoved in urine-soaked toilets. Lady, Lady Starlight of Cologne special burgers. Yeah, and... They're really hyper-specialized, and they've developed that scene very intensely in Germany. And in the UK, it's extremely depressing, especially the, the closer not you even get... The, not even the prostitutes, just in general, it's extremely depressing. Yeah, some of the funniest and most sad ones were in Wales, and I felt like, well, that's not a surprise. <laughs> so- to be fair, that, that pretty much sums up the North Wales coast. Yeah, and 
the last route you drove was in Scotland, and that was also very pleasing. <laughs> how Favors immediately found like three depressing reviews after each other. <laughs> Where people had very, very poor prostitute experiences. And um, I just want to inform people that the people who uh, pay for prostitution, they see, they call themselves hobbyists or, and they go for paid dating services. Yeah, it's a paid dating scene. Yeah. Completely normal. Just, just a normal hobby. Yeah. So if you see someone talking that they're, they're, they're hobbyists and they're into paid dating, you, you know that it's uh, someone who's, delved a bit too deeply into prostitution <laughs> i think it's a bit i find myself i've never really thought about it before but i sort of find myself fundamentally opposed to leaving bad reviews for sex workers because they're trying their best, <laughs> they're trying their best aren't they you don't even be rude about them uh no these reviews show that <laughs> they're not these trying, their, trying best. their best <laughs> these reviews are brutally honest yeah I don't know. I feel as so, if there's... Having... What some of them are saying is maybe, you know, the lady could have had a bit of a wash beforehand. That's, you know, that that's some of the nicer ones. You see, it's just that I feel like there's probably a crossover between the customers who are writing these reviews... And people and, who stream Train Simulator. And them. And, <laughs> and, you know, you know, certain types who we see on the internet shouting things about their standards and about women and i just i don't know i feel as if maybe maybe some of them are over egging the pudding a bit in their reviews is over egging the pudding a paid dating term because it sounds like it should be <laughs> yeah and these reviews i mean how can you not leave a negative review when someone leaves feces on your car seat <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that 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 sounds fair. I must have missed that one. Uh, admittedly, tra sweary train simulator is on when I have to have my dinner, so I rarely get to see it because I'm not watching it while I'm eating my dinner. <laughs> That's a very wise choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Mind you, I was I was watching a live stream and sort of contributing my capacity as an executive producer um, to a Mr. Biffo's found footage like mm -hmm. live stream and reaction stream mm -hmm. we're all sort of watching that on the chat and you know it, it, every time basically something involving pooing came up which was quite frequent there was oh, yeah. something, somebody in the chat going oh my god i'm trying to eat here <laughs> which just made it even funnier yeah yeah anyway swear <laughs> uh, train simulator sim train simulator streams on every saturday almost well, it's, it's not. It's just completely irregular now. It was yeah. every Saturday, but I just keep doing other stuff on Saturday. So this week, it's going to be tomorrow. Yeah. You heard it here first, exclusive. Yay! I, I'm not here later because I'm doing a driving lesson tomorrow. Instead of going to my parents, I'm going to my parents today. So that's why I train to later tomorrow. This actually doing things just messes up my entire social schedule of streaming Train Simulator on YouTube. Yeah. Maybe I'll stream something else instead then. Well, I should, I should, I should arrange for um, Favus to do his sweary bus simulator or his sweary rail replacement bus simulator. Yeah. Uh, and the last one, he ended up running over somebody in a wheelchair or something. So that, yeah. that's that's about the standard of my train driving transposed to bus driving. So he's he's a worthy successor if I'm not around to do the trains. Yeah, this is the amazing thing about boring simulators. They make excellent streaming games. Because there, you have to 
do like just, re- real life work. <laughs> everybody, everybody could just chat shit in the comments as well. You know, you don't you don't have to focus too much. I mean, I should probably focus more than I do because there's a lot of red signal and speed limit breaching and all that. But it's fun. And the fucking up's funny as well, anyway. Let's yeah, face it. That, that's what was funny about the S- bus slamming on the emergency brakes ended up halfway out of the platform, and you know, knowing that all your passengers have basically just been seriously injured is part of the appeal of train simulators. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, they demand uh, a level of like attention and precision in multiple steps. That uh, the second you start streaming, you you aren't that attentive. So, in Favors bus simulator stream. You had to, you know, lean the bus all the time, and <laughs> the problem with the problem. I think the problem with the bus simulator is that they're all German, and as as we found from the sort of German routes that we've done, they demand a lot of precision. And I mean, a lot of those are done with all the safety systems turned off because there's like a couple of safety systems that are just incredibly complicated to operate it's like okay so when you go to this point and it's this speed limit this light will light up then you have to press this button and that button and this one and then this button it's like can i i can't even press one fucking button when it's warning me of like a red signal without getting the emergency brakes so i'm not going to get the german system am i yeah <laughs> the pzb yeah anyway star trek hooray <laughs> <laughs> finally who <laughs> moving has on, moving on from that nerdy stuff yeah star trek I've watched two episodes of Star Trek Discovery. It might be three, so I have no idea what happens later on, but it was ridiculous enough that I wasn't just going to continue with it, I uh, think. Yeah, so you have no idea how ridiculous it becomes. So Yeah, those are the sensible episodes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's clear, I mean, before the show aired... I mean, how ridiculous are we talking? Put it in anime terms for me, Peter. Is it Dime a Dollar type ridiculous towards the end, or...? Um, there's parallel universes. <laughs> oh, okay. Fair enough. And almost all the plot twists happen arbitrarily. It's like, oh, it's an amazing twist. And it's like, yeah, but why? <laughs> <laughs> what does this mean? What? Why did you kill this character? Why? <laughs> that happens over and over again. Anyway, so it, what's what's really really weird about it? It has pacing issues as well, structural basic pacing issues. With no, I don't mean pacing. I mean structure. the The whole premise of the series, the whole premise of the series, doesn't kick in until about episode five, which is that they have a new kind of warp drive where if you plug a living being into some space mushrooms, then you can disappear and appear anywhere you want. Yeah, and uh, before the show aired. We heard that there were problems in writing. Mm. And I think all the problems have been understated. Kind of the magnitude <laughs> of issues going on here. Because <laughs> they also said that each arc of the show would be a self-contained story. So the Klingon War ends in the final episode of the show. It wraps up so that with next season it's free and open for them to do anything they want. It seems, though, that they didn't decide to make the Klingon War a one-episode arc, a one-season arc, until halfway through yeah. writing the final episode. <laughs> yeah. Because it's just, the way it ends, it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> the uh... Right, spoilers for anyone who's not watched it, okay? So, the, 
I'm just going to tell you about the last episode, or at least an, an, an aspect of it, which is that the whole thing ramps up to this, in, in, like, oh no, it's the stakes are really high, the Klingons are really, really winning to the point where there's absolutely no way, like, imagine if all of space was now Klingon-controlled, there's ships all around you, you're the last ship against the whole Klingon race, oh no, oh no, it's 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 all ramped up to the finale. And the finale is, they all just sort of go down and shoot craps and drink, on a in a kind of a crappy town and then they leave that and go back to the ship and then it's fine now yeah that episode the first 15 minutes are fine that's when they're on the ship and are planning as like oh it's gonna be an exciting heist thing on the klingon homeworld yeah then they go to the klingon homeworld and there are no klingons there there's no klingons they go to the bit where nobody needs to have a klingon head at all (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's suddenly, all just humans. It, 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 apparently, they haven't told us this before, but there's huge <laughs> cultural diversity in the on the Klingon homeworld. There are no Klingons there. Yeah, did they run out? Did they run out of makeup budget or something? I think they might have done. So instead, they have this like human. It's not like a human area. It's not like a human town. It's um. They're slaves or something. You know what I mean? There's this place where humans are bought and sold, but that's all there is down there is humans and maybe a couple of people with feelers on their heads or whatever. It's like there's no proper alien makeup going on. Yeah, so they have uh, uh, one street set and one interior, and then there's uh, one more area where the (laughs) finale of the story takes place. So the the plan is for them to uh, blow up the Klingon homeworld uh, because of the cultural uh, significance of uh, that planet they're hoping that uh, it will uh, shatter the unity between the klingon tribes and that they'll uh, cause enough chaos that they can um, turn the tide of the war the thing is nothing (laughs) shows discord like blowing up the common factor between all the warring tribes (laughs) yeah what they do is uh, they yeah they, they go basically partying they go to a bar and then, like, there's, like, a little bit of momentum there. It's like, oh, we need to find the entrance to this place where we'll plant the bombs. But one person goes off and has sex with prostitutes. Another two people split off and uh-huh. go drinking and sit uh, down. He goes on a paid date. Yeah, uh, <laughs> she goes on a paid date. and also, another... She goes on a paid date. We're in enlightened times now. Yeah, yeah. A- and another person goes off and just kind of stands around. It's like, all the momentum of the heist thing just kind of drop, uh, drops off because they're not doing it anymore. They're just hanging around there, not doing anything discernibly related to their mission anymore. They're just, like, a couple of people just hang a drink and talk about their emotions, and it's, <laughs> it's a character reveal. Like, the main character, Michael Burnham, she reveals that when she was a child, a, a bunch of Klingons did something bad and laughed, and she has a traumatic flashback to that. And it's like, this whole season has been about the Klingon war, and in the final episode, they introduced this child trauma about Klingons that hasn't been brought up before. It has nothing to do with it. It's just a filler scene. <laughs> I don't even remember that bit. I must have been going off to get some pudding. Yeah, and uh, then after they have a drink and talk around... Uh, the character who was sleeping with prostitute goes and plants a bomb, and it's kind of near a well and there's nobody there it's kind of they're off standing in the middle of nowhere um and it's a they could could have shot this in the woods because it's just a black background basically and 
then they start talking about that. No, we shouldn't blow up this planet. It's a, it's genocidal. And then they they have a Klingon prisoner on their ship, and they kind of convince that person to hold the Klingon Empire hostage. And it's like she goes and speaks to all the Klingon tribes and says that. If you don't stop this war, I'm going to blow up the home planet. And then we cut to that to a speech about, oh, this is our values as Starfleet. It's it's an inspiring montage and we fly through Earth and it's like, oh, the war is over now. Everything was solved. This terrorist holding the home world hostage was enough to turn everything around. The war is over. It's just, but Really? <laughs> It's like the first 15 minutes were fine. Then the next 10 minutes this happens. And then there's 10 minutes on Earth where they talk about uh, Starfleet values and have a cliffhanger ending kind of teaser for the next season. And it's like this happened so quickly that it was like I, I couldn't believe what was happening. <laughs> because they've been ratcheting up the tension to this. In all the previous episodes, and they had this setup of like, we're gonna do like an exciting heist thing in the last episode. It's like, it doesn't happen. It's just people milling about for 10 minutes and then it ends. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I have enjoyed this series uh, almost all the way through, but I will agree that, yeah, the finale was ridiculous. Yeah. It's a, it's no, it sounds like it's no Babylon 5. It's no Babylon 5, no. Uh, no, it made me respect Babylon 5. <laughs> That's bad. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Babylon 5 was so bad I never even finished it. <laughs> well, I, I rewatched it and I got to the point where they basically ran out of the story and then had to make up a season and a half of bollocks to fill in a season and a half, so... Mm. I didn't watch after that point, so I think it's middle of series four, is it, that happens? Uh, Something like that. Yeah, that's what I stopped watching. That's where they're on Mars, and they're in some tunnels. (laughs) I think I was already out by then. That's the end of the series now. The big war's over, the whole thing's been concluded. End of story. And now we're going to do this. It's like, no, I don't care. It was like like a a fan fiction spin-off. Yes, but isn't Babylon 5 unique in that, in fact, was all written ahead of time and they didn't deviate from the plan? So that's, that's weird. There was a lot of fannying about over where there was, there was actually going to be a fifth series, I believe. Oh, uh, right. So they sort of finished it off and then I think okay. midway through they, they sort of hurried through and then they thought, oh, we are going to get a fifth series. We'd better do something then. Right. Oh, dear. Yeah. Well, anyway, Star Trek Discovery in general had so poor in so many ways like one of the core premises of this season was that oh we're gonna focus on having a more distinct main character who's the viewpoint character through most of the series but in like so many scenes she's just passively standing in the background as people fight kind of in the foreground (laughs) and she's just standing there and she's like react yeah passively reacting to everything like (laughs) Well, that's right. She was one of the. I, I think she was one of the things that they um, that was like f- from writing team number one, and then writing team number two was like, no, we're not going to have a POV character. Screw that's ridiculous. Are we going to go just back to having a crew on a ship? Yeah, but yeah, it was. 
God, I do think. But basically, what I liked about Star Trek Discovery, I suppose I ought to, I ought to put some something down, is that um, <clears throat> I just do like the cast, and I do like the sort of general setup of it. So I'm essentially hoping that series two actually makes any sense because a good series with this cast would be good. Um, but yeah, actually, episode to episode, there's a lot of nonsense in this. I don't know why. I just enjoyed it. You know, the stuff that you're talking about, I agree with. I just enjoyed it for some reason. Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm just scrolling through because I did n- notes for every episode. And I, I wrote here that, oh, episode 11 is where they reveal that they borrowed a plot element from Metal Gear Solid 2. In, <laughs> in Metal Gear Solid 2, uh, one of the antagonists is the, the villain from the first game. Uh, only his arm survived from the first game. And... <laughs> And, and and that arm is transplanted into a different person, and that 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 guy apparently the whole brain and the vocal cords were contained in that arm because the voice actor for the villain from the first game starts talking through this other person he's been transplanted into. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, they do this in uh, Star Trek Discovery where yeah, a whole, yeah, they do, they do. A whole person has been transplanted into someone else. <laughs> yep. And uh, yeah, it's not very believable and it's ridiculous. And uh, but it's the least ridiculous thing they do I in mean, the series. Te- <laughs> yeah, and like I'm tempted to defend it by saying like, well, it wasn't an arm. Like, okay, they, it wasn't an arm. It was like his brain or something. But then I thought about it. And it was like, actually, they never tell you what it is. At no <laughs> point in the series do they tell you what part of him was transplanted or what it was. They show a shark where it's like parts of his like bones in his arm and stuff. <laughs> And that's when I started thinking about Metal Gear Solid 2. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't know what they did. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what they did. Does somebody say to that character, you and whose army at some point? <laughs> they weren't that clever. But, oh, I wrote, I wrote down a, st- a, 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 a line that made me eye roll. Uh, there, there's a romantic scene and a person tells the other person, you're my tether. I thought that line was so bad that I brought it down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, the no, the romance scenes didn't work. No. Uh, the, these days, with my current focus on following the complete and not a cluster fucking car crash that is cryptocurrency, that just says to me, you're really dodgy cryptocurrency, so... Mm. Uh. Basically, I think, what I, I think what I did like about it was that it started off with uh, what I found a perfectly enjoyable, um, like, you know, opening prologue two two episode long prologue where uh, and it went on from there and it basically gave the impression that this was going to be star wars but filtered through the battlestar galactica like grimdark um filter and then as the series went on it just was like no this is going to be stupid and i prefer that so i liked it so like in the second half of the series basically they basically they end up in the goatee universe and various characters that we've seen before as nice show up as evil. And that is then, that completely hijacks the whole of the rest of the series. I just found that funny. So I uh, are, they, are, they all, are they all wearing black and they all have like really thin facial hair, like goatees and stuff? They don't do the facial hair. Instead, it's that they're fascists. Yeah, they, oh, ha- right, they have sneering enough. faces all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, at some point, this is something that annoyed me so much. <laughs> In the separate dimension, they introduce a doomsday weapon that is a threat against 
all multi the entire multiverse because they? they they can't go back to their own dimension because if this thing goes off it'll destroy all dimensions at the same time wow it's telling that i've completely forgotten that and still now can't remember it <laughs> yeah the the <laughs> the bad guys in this, the, the the bad world they they created a, like a they were leeching off the fungus thing that they used to jump through dimensions yeah. and if they destroyed the fungus thing it will destroy all dimensions and right. I, I feel like isn't the whole premise of multiple dimensions that at each uh, decision point a new dimension is created if there's a dimension where they if they save one dimension and I mean, they're, they're, by definition of like wow. how multiverses work, there's going to be a fork where they succeed in stopping the doomsday weapon and also fail to stop the doomsday weapon. And so the failed doomsday weapon dimension will destroy all of the ones anyway. That, <laughs> they can't that's, win. That's just, one, that's just one theory about how multiverses could work. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, there's, there's also the... Um, the other scientific theory with lots of mathematical proofs behind it that the whole thing is basically fungus. So who's, <laughs> who's to say who's right on this one? Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, I felt like this was an unnecessary and really stupid thing to introduce. And I wondered, why are they doing this? And then later I figured out why. Because later in the episode, they found a way to return home. But... They couldn't return home because they had to stop the Doomsday Weapon from destroying their own dimension. And I felt like, okay, so why did they feel the need to do this? It's because the characters have nothing anchoring them here. They have no interest in helping people in the bad dimension. There's no emotional involvement in any of the cast in helping anyone in the bad dimension. And I felt like, isn't that a problem you should fix instead of yeah. introducing the multidimensional bomb? <laughs> Yeah, especially when they then did attempt to do that, didn't they? They they had the uh, they had her meet the captain who had previously died, you know. So it's like, well, oh, now that's that's her emotional reason to not want everything to die in this dimension or whatever. So they could have just accelerated that. They could have used that a bit better. Was yeah. was like the the mirror dimension captain actually really good, but being taken along for a ride by all his bad um, crew. I don't know whether to comment on like that. Because it's like, oh, well, this is all a bit much for me. I'm the opposite of the other guy who was like, by any means possible. So look, I don't know whether we should even answer that question because it's so much of a spoiler or whether we should just issue a spoiler warning and tell him. Well, I think I, we've spoiled I enough. Care, I'm, I don't care because I'm not going to watch it. Yeah. So. No, but somebody I, I, I might mean, be I mean, I mean, we've already delved really deep into spoilers, so we might as well yeah. spoil oh, that. So, so was, so was like, spoiler oh, warning, okay. everyone. Let me let let me guess then what this spoiler is going to be. Yeah. You'll be right. You'll be it's, right. The mirror guy captain was actually the captain in the real universe. Yeah. The real universe captain was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so he yeah. had all along been goatee captain. <laughs> oh no! No wonder. See, oh, I like that. I thought that, that was fun. Anybody in that explains why he'd be so bad in Starfleet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. But it's it. completely inconsistent with how everyone in Starfleet was willing to go along with him, so everyone was bad <laughs> all anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, because it ramped up to them being prepared to blow up the Klingon homeworld, and they're they're supposed to be Starfleet from the good universe. Yeah. <laughs> But then they kind of changed their minds in the last second, and the 
his character <laughs> can stops developing once they reveal that he's the mirrorverse captain because he has they just they just kill him off and dump him so quickly and easily where it's like he's been their captain for how long and like nobody gives a shit about him <laughs> so look here's what i think here's what i think they were doing and, and this is kind of why i i i guess i liked this was that i think that the point here was that you had star trek adjusted for modern audiences which is to say with with all of the years of like bullshit drama that we've had you can't have the kind of everybody is inherently sensible kind of star trek that we had before so instead you need this dramatic grimdark star trek with this dark captain but if you make the story of the first season that gradually it's revealed that those aberrations with what's wrong with this series of star trek you know compared to the ethos of star trek are in fact plot points that are going to be resolved then what you end up with is what we did have at the end of the finale, despite how clumsily it was arrived at, which is um, a statement of what Starfleet actually should be, leading into a potential season two that's actual Star Trek, with everyone acting like Starfleet and being sensible. And on that, in that regard, it may work. We'll have to wait and see. Well, it, it just seems like they're... You say they're, they're Michael just... Burnham needs to grow a beard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're just dumping all of the ideas they had in the, the, the original case. It's it's done so poorly that it feels like the the second writing team that took over after a few episodes didn't want to write the Star Trek that they started out writing. So they they're just changing their minds. They're just contorting it into regular Star Trek because well, that was of the, the best way they could come up with to do it. Yeah. And, and this uh, evil captain is like, oh, he's a mirrorverse captain, and now he's dead, and nobody gives a shit. He had no, even though he had multiple scenes with everyone, nobody cares. The, in the it's, final episode, it's always, um, it's always funny when people encounter parallel dimensions that they're always like the exact opposite. Whereas realistically, they'd probably be exactly the same, but someone might have slightly different hair. <laughs> Uh, if yeah. you if you to even encounter par a parallel dimension that was in any way a viable place that we could exist, yes, and not some completely messed up set of whatever that well, you know, nobody could exist in, which I, is I even allow, more likely. It is, but I allow them that they, you know what I mean, that you, you your dimension hopping thing wouldn't take you there because it would be like, nope, here isn't a dimension. Uh, I suppose. But but of all the habitable dimensions that you could then potentially visit, again, yeah. it's, it's it's so extremely unlikely that you're going to come where once everybody's just the exact opposite. Yeah, it's, it, it'd be much funnier if it was more like sliders, <laughs> where things were kind of the same but not really, and then you know the, yeah. you can have your odd, weird, bad aberrations, but things are generally pretty much the same. Now they, as for this series, they explain that in part, which is that the you know, secretly mirror universe evil captain was deliberately taking them to his universe. But I don't know if we ever found out how he got to that universe. I'm going to say, how did he ever find that universe? Yeah. Then? It, oh. Did we find that out? It's just, it's just more questions. Did, did he kidnap an evil tardigrade? <laughs> wanted to infest our good universe. There's, there's a big thing about the ship he's been on because they were like two... Uh, scientist ships at the start of the season and one of them uh, made uh, an experiment and blew up and yeah. they say that oh he was on one of those maybe it's they kind of 
mention it offhand and hope you don't notice that it makes no sense. <laughs> That's fair enough, I suppose. I mean, science fiction fans don't pay attention to the little details anyway. Nobody's going to yeah. notice. Especially not Star Trek fans. No, exactly. Yeah. Like, And my notes for episode 14 uh, were at first just, it's so bad in caps and uh, punctuation marks. <laughs> <laughs> And but I did fill out the notes afterwards, uh, where th- the romance interest, the guy who had a Klingon uh, surgically implanted into his bones, and he was multiple personalities there, uh, they managed to excise the uh, the Klingon personality from him, and now he's walking around on the ship, and he has a breakup scene with uh, Michael Burnham, and the breakup scene was very strange, but his character now, now that. He, he's supposed to be something else, like a combination of Klingon and human. He has all Klingon memories and he's still a human. And I felt like he's just a nothing. I felt like he was just a guy wandering around on set with nothing to do. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I was surprised that he remained in the cast. I don't, I don't think he was ever a strong enough character. And just for goodness sake, <laughs> shave your neck at least. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I've never I... seen a more revolting beard on a man we're supposed to find appealing. <laughs> yeah, but it, it it was pretty clear by the final 10 minutes that this is like a sharp cut they're making here where it's like yeah. forget this season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Next up it's going to be co- something completely different it's like they're they're done with this they're, they're just shoving everything off it's like no <laughs> yeah and they they really really telegraphed that they really went like okay you know everything forget everything <laughs> like yeah, it was there was even you like know a how shot. everyone for the entire series has been saying this is shit well it's fine so, more it's all like, going yeah. away now <laughs> well listen i mean they did an uh f- frankly shameless um like audience tease um at the end so again, if anyone's still listening, spoilers, but we don't find out exactly what this is yet. But basically, at the very end of the whole series, it's finished, right? And then it goes like, well, what should we do now? Uh, pff, I guess we'll go and do some adventures in space, shall we? And then it's like, wait a minute, I'm getting in, I'm getting a message. I'm getting a message over the tannoy <laughs> from Captain Pike. And then the Enterprise shows up and they're going like, oh no, we're really in trouble on the Enterprise. Help us and join in a series with us in it. <laughs> and then it goes, da, 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 Star Trek. And, <laughs> and the thing is, it worked on me. I can't wait to see the next season of this thing now. I was but... hoping you were going to say Mirror, Mirror Universe Picard turns up with a giant afro. Oh. <laughs> well, anyway, I think the only good episode uh, in the show might have been uh, episode 10. Or so, the introduction of the Mirrorverse, because that was the one directed by Jonathan Frakes, and I felt like yeah. it had... That was great. That one was really good. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> really silly, but also much tighter in what was happening. I well, he got the, he got it right. He got yeah. the silly that I thought was there. For, like, like, I was enjoying the whole series because I thought it was silly, and I like that. But he got the tone of the silly right. And honestly, they need to just pay up, just get him to do the whole next season. Because it was obviously the best... Like, it was the only genuinely really good episode. I mean, oh, um, I liked the... Um, a lot of people hated it, but I liked the sort of time loop episode with um, Harry Mudd. 
Yeah, I, I thought that was horrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You thought it was horrible. Uh, a couple of other friends of mine thought it was horrible. Loads of people thought it was great. Like it's it's weird, weirdly divisive. This thing. I don't because I don't know what the criteria is. Because like my Star Trek friends, my Star Trek fan friends, they love Discovery. So it's not just like oh they screwed up Star Trek. It's I don't know what it is. I think we just honestly want. I think we just need spaceships in our lives again, and this is providing them or something. Yeah. Well, it's. I mean, the whole show, I mean, I'm, I'm, given how it ended, or rather how everything in it was, I'm amazed <laughs> by how, what a clusterfuck of writing it was. Because, like, the quality of, like, directing, uh, the production values, apart from the final episode, it was yeah. very consistent with, like, filmic qualities. I, I, there was one episode where it was just a, to go from the... Um, bridge and they have a walk and talk through corridors and Mm. there they have like it's clearly shot with like three cameras with different uh, focal lengths and stuff with a really nice looking film grain and i felt like this is really elevating the look way beyond what star trek has done before and it was just a walk and talk scene and correct emphasis was put dramatically when the scene turned and just the craft there, like when they started filming, they did it properly, but the pre-production work, like what is this supposed to be? Who should be working on it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, what, what, yeah, what they have done is they've put they've laid down a case that TV Star Trek can be made that's not not at all indistinguishable from, but of a piece with the like JJ Abrams films. To the extent that it can look modern without, you know, you don't have to have a massive drop in visual quality to be Star Trek on TV today. So it, that, in that regard, it's success. It's a success because it's like here, this is what it could look like, and it, it looks great. Yeah, but it, it, it's not exactly the Expanse. <laughs> no, that's a series where a lot of the actors I think are bad. There are a lot of things in it I think are kind of janky. But because it's based on books, you can just tell that every plot point, everything it it builds up, establishes, it's paid off. It feels well thought through because someone did actually think through and write the story in advance. It's also notable because the actual authors of the books are heavily involved in the series. Yeah. So where it is being rewritten and redone just to fit the TV format. You know they're 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 along for the ride as well, and if like they change things, they make sure that that makes sense. But who's a, who's a bad actor on the Expanse? What are you on about? <laughs> Almost everybody. <laughs> Fuck off. It's they're all they're all perfect compared. They're all perfect for the characters from the books. Yeah, well, I haven't read the books. <laughs> anyway, I I really enjoyed Expanse. I mean, it's it's just a slight jankiness but it's one that i don't really mind i'm really enjoying it's, watching it <laughs> yeah it, it's like sci-fi channel sci-fi should be yeah not how it is which is fucking awful i mean it's obviously you know they've not got mega books budget but they're doing what they can with the budget that they have and it all looks good and you can see you know it's not cost billions of dollars but at the same time it's not like really cheap they've sort of just done a an efficient job with what they have yeah and they because it's has the foundation of the books it has the qualities that make you like this is what's important to for someone to make 
like give a shit about what's happening for every episode to be exciting. It's actually going somewhere. Apart, instead of like Star Trek Discovery, where it's like it's kind of going somewhere, then it's going somewhere completely different, then it's going somewhere completely different again, and like characters, where it's like we set this up. Oh, you think it's something? No, it's nothing. Here's an amazing plot twist that changes everything, and it's oh, it's nothing. Here's a character that's been <laughs> in the whole season. Oh, now he's dead. That character was nothing. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it, yes. There's there is absolutely no comparison between like the hyper competent plotting of of the Expanse compared to Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> but for some reason, I can't get through more than a, like an episode of the Expanse without then watching something else for a while because I don't know. There's something so so slow and grindy about it that we keep going back to like, oh, give us the dumb spaceships. Um, so I think there's if they could just tighten up Discovery, use the setup of it but write it properly and i don't think they i i, I don't think they need an ongoing storyline i say go back to individual episodes because they obviously can't do it this way around it's not their strength so uh, don't do it yeah but maybe it'll help if they can keep a person on staff throughout the whole of writing and not have like yeah the, the well, showrunner yeah. write four episodes and then go off and work on something completely different and not yeah. tell anyone what he, he his idea for the season <laughs> was my other thing is that like um so i love the expanse i, I do but i'm really only three or four episodes into it because mm. there's nothing in it that's as compelling to me personally as the stupid stuff in discovery that i agree is stupid so like um so i agree that like there's nobody in the expanse who's like terrible actor or anything but there's also nobody in it who's sort of as immediately compelling to me as like the fact that no matter what happens or what <laughs> or what emotion he's trying to express anthony rapp's way of acting is to just sort of the have the camera zoom close into his face and stick his jaw out and do a big face <laughs> no matter what the scene calls for anthony rapp does his face every single time and it makes me laugh every time i love it <laughs> Small joys. Yeah, very small. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I don't think it's even warranted to talk more about Star Trek Discovery because I'm going to feel like it's it's the kind of poorly put together thing where, yeah, a week from now I'm going to forget everything that ever happened in it. Kind of how oh, I, I already have, I think. Yeah. Stop giving them attention and slowly encourage them to make more. Yeah. No, that's what I demand. I need them to make more and I need them to make more. Basically, I think, I, do you know what? This is what it comes down to. I think I allow, I've, I've given them a lot of slack because they're essentially putting together a sort of best of package of any idea they can possibly have to hook people in just sufficiently to be allowed to have Star Trek be a thing on TV again for more than one season. And it's worked. They're getting more seasons. So it's like, okay, hopefully now because the first season of all Star Trek apart from the original series is rubbish now maybe it'll be good <laughs> yeah I mean, uh, they've, they've I, been... I'm much more a fan of these the, the whole slow burn things where everything seems to kind of just happen and doesn't really make sense and then there's the big reveal at the end where you say actually this is what's going on and then it does all make sense I'm more a fan of that kind of thing rather than just throwing a load of shit at the wall and seeing what sticks Right, and then the other the other side of that is uh, competent what Doc- plotting, basically. The other think, side of that is, is what uh, is what Doctor Who fans have been enjoying for years and years, which is that 
you have the slow burn and everything's obviously building up to the twist that explains what it was and then he doesn't bother <laughs> yep <laughs> there's so many ways for something to be terrible and that's what's fascinating about Star Trek Discovery <laughs> then, Cause it, cause it and then Doctor of Who turns into a woman and you know it's just political correctness gone mad <laughs> I can't wait I can't wait despite the fact that now. Despite the fact that they've been setting that up for about three years with the whole Master Missy thing. Yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Watch uh, Irregular at Magic High School instead, because that's based on a series of books. So it has tight plotting. Sure. <laughs> Doctor, yeah. Who, Doctor Who being a woman is just about acceptable. Just don't ever say that Doctor Who can change his skin colour as well, otherwise it's all going to kick off. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Why Why don't they have a doctor who's just like a, a squid alien or something and he doesn't yeah. speak ever? He has yes. to make sloshing noises. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because the BBC hasn't got the budget for that. I think they have. They could just throw a squid onto the floor and have it flop around and film that. <laughs> yeah, and then it's uh, narrated by uh, David so Attenborough. seen the last series of Doctor Who then. <laughs> <laughs> Satire. I haven't. <laughs> so I have no basis on which to state that but slagging something off with no basis with which to do it is my specialty it's always safe it's always safe in fact like basically the last series of Doctor Who has been the first good one in years and years and years but it's still a perfectly safe thing to say it genuinely is I mean you know all, all the classic Doctor Who fans who basically say it's it's never been as good as it was when Tom Baker will agree with me Yep, and also exactly. any, anybody with a brain, you know, anybody basically over the age of about 15, because it is for kids. Yep. Well, yeah, and that's what makes um, the older Doctor Who embodies children's entertainment ideas that I wish would come back, that it's fine to terrify children. Yeah, yeah by offering them jelly babies. <laughs> the, the older, the further you go back, the scarier Doctor Who becomes. It's the same with, uh, like, uh, Moomin. There, there was also, like... <laughs> well, <laughs> when, you're, when you're living under the constant threat of nuclear Armageddon, you do have to go some to scare people more than that. Yeah, it, it embodied the spirit of threats. That was, that was normal. Exactly. What's going to get us first, the nuclear bombs or the Daleks? Yeah. Anyway, is this a sufficient podcast length? Should we just <laughs> go away? That's how every podcast should end. Will that do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, we we only really came here to talk about Star Trek and uh, the Star Wars trailer that looks terrible. But we did sprinkle it with a few other things. This yeah. has been a very... I, a def very... I definitely sprinkled. <laughs> this has been a very negative one. I feel like we should say something nice before we go, you know? Because otherwise we're just yet more old men whinging. Um, the anime laid back camp is absolutely adorable. I love it, and it has no incest in it. So there you go. There's a there's a recommendation from me. It's you see, really nice to watch that. You were doing so well until you had to mention how much incest there was but, in it. And if the level the is zero, is... you don't have to mention it. Yeah, but the thing is, though, right, when, when I recommend an anime, I think there is a, a default assumption there that it is going to be in some way morally repugnant and unacceptable. Yes. Yes. Because that is usually what I watch. But there is the occasional really nice, really nice, spirited, cozy, warm, fuzzy anime that I watch that I, yeah. I enjoy. And Laid Back Camp is one of those. Yeah, and it's the kind of show that you would 
only get from anime. That this is one of the things I appreciate more and more as time goes on. That there's certain types of stories that you would only get in anime because they're kind of shotgunning like 40 shows every <laughs> season. So you get weird shit. And Laidback Camp is an excellent show. It's like a partial like instructional show about how yeah. to go camping. And it's so nice. Like the, the episode description is like, oh, we, we have hot pot and we camp. And it's like, that's what they do the episode. There's no <laughs> drama. <laughs> they have a nice time camping. And sometimes you have a narrator explaining like how, how you should do when you're camping and like collecting firewood or something. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Yeah. I mean, if, if you want the borderline incest, there's Citrus this season, which is no. a tale of forbidden no. love between two stepsisters. So, no, the, you no, know... The, the the options are all there, Dave, you know. Don't want it. Don't yeah. need it. Yeah, I mean, there's... I think that, that's what annoys me more and more when people just blanket, sh- blanket shit on anime because th- there is so just, much... The, the breadth is great, massive. Yeah, the breadth is massive. Yeah. You have the most appalling stuff and then you have other things that you wouldn't get anywhere as, in a million years. As a palate cleanser. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then and then somewhere in the middle you've got Pop Team Epic, which is just ridiculous. Yeah, Pop Team Epic, like where would you get that? <laughs> <laughs> That's barely that that barely even got made in the general sort of Japanese anime standard of things. Yeah. And that's it's so bizarre how like the second half of every episode is the first half, but with different voice actors and tiny changes. And it's like what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and it's different voice cast every week. Yeah. Anyway, well, I've got a bit. I've got a bit of wholesome uh, news, and it is how much incest is involved, Dave. I need to gauge my interest. As far as we know, zero. Ah, see, I like the as far as we know bit. It brings a bit of uncertainty into it. Well, listen, there's always the outside possibility that you'd find out that you and your wife, <laughs> unbeknownst to anyone in your family, <laughs> cloudy with a chance of incest. <laughs> this is Witcher news. Um, Abby is currently playing through The Witcher 3, and um, the usually my Witcher news is, I have yet again played a tiny bit of The Witcher, as I am spreading it out over about four years. <laughs> four but, years, that's optimistic. Yeah, well no, I've finished it now, I'm, on, I'm doing the DLC now. Um, but, um, wow. but Abby um, only really, de- like, sort of had a go at the very first bit, you know, the bloody Baron. So recently, for whatever reason, she just got in the mood, and we've now started this thing where every morning, as we have our breakfast, Abby will play The Witcher, and I will just sit and watch. And at the same time, we are reading the books. She's um, about halfway through the series, and I'm halfway through the final book. Um, <clears throat> and she's I'm trying to get her to read them before she gets too far through the game, because she's a very yes. fast reader. And it just... The, the ones that I had read, which was most of them, um, up, which I read while I was playing the game improved the game so much and now that i'm reading the last one i'm like oh all of these things that i thought were just out of nowhere or that i thought were like just a story they randomly told no the whole story in the witcher 3 right up to its ending are responses to stuff in the books and it is better this way so i'm trying to get her to read it like i didn't know who avalak was and i should have done so um here's why here's my witcher news She's really good at Witcher 3 in a way that I never even 
thought of trying to be. Like, so I basically, I got to nearly the end of the game before I realized that you can go into the uh, alchemy tab, which I'd never really looked at because I was like, well, I find, I find, well, because mostly what you do with it is you like make stuff that you find along the way anyway. So I'm like, well, look, I don't need to craft anything because I always find better swords anyway. And I don't really need to alchemy anything because i find the potions and it's all fine so i just carried on and then right near the end i was like wait a minute it turns out that all of those mini mutagens i've been collecting aren't just things that i'm supposed to like hope that i find bigger ones later on no i can mix them together to make bigger mutagens and then i can make the big one mutagen and i can slot that into my character build and power everything up by about 50 percent holy crap and so it was like right at the end that i started looking into what decoctions are hang on a minute you can make (laughs) yourself absolutely amazing um so abby immediately just mastered all of this uh, just uh, just without even trying just naturally did it all straight away so she's now in like um, she's not even done the ugly baby thing yet. She hasn't like figured out who Uma is yet. And she's got a laser sword <laughs> with a <laughs> <The> laser <jet> pack. <laughs> yeah, more or less. We're like with a laser hilt, not just a blade, because she's doing all the Griffin gear upgrades and things like this. Yeah, yeah. She's going around doing everything. She's got all of the decoctions. She uses them all the time. She's great at this game in a way that I can... She's at the level that I was at, like, just before the end game. <laughs> now. And she's better at the... And she's got it all turned up to hard mode, and she's just really good at it. She keeps... Like, she was on... Like, so, here's me playing The Witcher, right? I was like, oh, okay, this quest is two levels above me, so I'd better not do it. I uh, and, and I would... St- there'd be a monster that was like, it's got a skull, so I know that I'm going to die, so I, I'll avoid it. And if I ever got tangled up with a big monster that was three levels above me and had a skull to indicate that it was too hard for me i would die so many times that i would run away play the rest of the game come back when i was super powerful abby just goes like no i'm gonna get you and she runs straight in she can defeat anything she's she's (laughs) defeating stuff that's 10 levels above what she is she's doing quests in the game that are 10 levels above what she's supposed to be able to handle and she's just (laughs) nailing it all without any problem whatsoever like she there's there's bosses that i remember spending like half an afternoon and about 12 lives on and she just wanders in kills it leaves and she's like 10 levels lower than i was when i did it and she's doing them in one life i don't know how she's managing it <laughs> oh dave so yeah it is oh dave um <sighs> yeah <laughs> and also she has this great capacity for remembering stuff that's way beyond what mine is so she has a handle on like she knows exactly where all the kingdoms are and who's fighting who in the war and what's going on and i can never figure any of it out so yeah She's she's good at the Witcher on a fundamental level. She's good at she's not just good at playing the game and mastering the systems. She's good at reading the books and understanding the plot and putting it all <laughs> together and everything. Well, <laughs> it's aspirational. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's a good thing you're you get to watch it and see how you were supposed to play it all along. Maybe That's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, I'm using her as like my filter like she she just i get i go what was that and she just turns around and tells me the story of the thing i've already played and books i've already read (laughs) (laughs) you sure she isn't just uh, siphoning all your brain matter somehow (laughs) i mean 
something is. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah.